0: You. Welcome, you're listening to Living Faith Podcast. For following Christ, for knowing Him as our Savior and our Lord, our source is the Scripture. Why? Why? Well, I don't think I could say it any better than pastor and scholar Tim Keller summarizes. He says, contemporary people tend to examine the Bible looking for things that they cannot accept. But Christians reverse that. We allow the Bible to examine us looking for things that God cannot accept. Or as the Apostle James wrote in his letter, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We look into the Word of God. Let's look carefully at something that Jesus said in order to start off in Matthew chapter 6, looking at something that Jesus said. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, perhaps you've been around Christendom, you've done some Bible reading, you're familiar with this passage. But I hope after a series of messages about the feasts and the first fruits, that there are some elements and some understanding here that jumps out a little more. Because, you see, when Jesus taught this, it was to an audience that had spent decades, every spring, unleavened bread. Early summer, first fruits. And every fall, the end gathering. So when Jesus spoke these words, perhaps now you and I can be more like that audience, those first hearers of these words. And when Jesus said seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that that first fruits feast and concept comes to mind. And when he said and these things shall be added to you, we can see the promise of the fall and the in gathering of the harvest that when I honor God first, he produces as the Lord of the harvest. Now, let's take that concept, that understanding. Let's back up a few verses in this same passage to get a little context. Let's go back to verse 24. Jesus, to the audience, says, no one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest. Again, a reference to the feasts we just talked about. Or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And then the verse we've already read. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So, when Jesus makes this concluding statement, I believe there's an illusion, there are elements to that audience to the First Fruits festivals. His, his words are related to money here, to financial increase, but particularly, Jesus is addressing faith in relationship to money. I'll talk more about faith in just a moment. So, over the weeks, weeks we've been talking about First Fruits and And I've noted the primary context for the feast passages in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy that we have referred to, they have to do with financial increase and monetary support, an increase of crops, an increase of herds, even family increase. You see, the Lord declared the firstborn of every household belonged to him. But parents could redeem the child back into their household by making a substitutional sacrifice. So these first fruits offerings, there are foundational concepts that precede practicing these. These are going to feel entirely foreign and odd and weird to us unless we have some of these foundational concepts. And, And the first one is this, that if I'm a follower of Christ, if I surrender to Christianity, then first thing is to know who owns everything. King David and the Apostle Paul realized this, 1 Corinthians 10, 26. He's quoting Psalm 24. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. That's a fundamental concept in the kingdom of God, at the core of first fruits, everything we've talked about all these weeks is acknowledging that nothing here is mine. I am not my own. Everything belongs to the Lord. He is the great creator. Without him, none of this exists. That's foundational. If I don't believe that, then the rest of this stuff is going nowhere. But when I believe that, then there's another concept that's foundational. And, And that being true, then everything that I do have is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. My very life is a gift from God. All that I have is because of a godly inheritance. The Lord has given me, provided me a portion of his ownership of the world, all things spiritual and kingdom that's His, and He has provided it to us. I mentioned in a previous message, sometimes our concept of inheritance may not match the Lord's concept of inheritance. We, We can think of an inheritance or a gift as immediately enjoyable benefits, but from God's perspective, inheritance is more than a gift. Well, it's also a project. When I was a kid, one of the things I wanted, I, I can't fully remember the name of it, but I, I wanted as a gift for Christmas, I wanted, you used to get like these metal pieces and nuts and bolts and even little motors and, and, and batteries, and you could build these things. You could make a construction of all these little metal pieces, about three people from my generation. Remember that? The rest of you are like, my God, he is old, <laughs> I thought all gifts came as electronic devices no no and I wanted that but see when I received that gift and I opened it up it was just the starting point what it became was what I would do with the project this church is associated or affiliated with a worldwide organization called the United Pentecostal Church International and that organization has a program that they call Church in a Day. Church in a Day. And Church in a Day is pretty amazing because congregations that qualify for the program are able to build a church building for pennies on the dollar. Now, how do they do that? Donated labor So a young congregation, less than 10 years in existence, can apply and qualify and become part of the church in a day program. Then that local church gets together the land and all the materials to construct a modest building. And then literally in about 24 hours time, tradesmen come from all over the area and they corral on that site. And on Friday afternoon, there's a slab of concrete. But on Sunday morning, the congregation has their first service in a brand new building. They inherit, the congregation inherits free labor. They provide the raw materials, but the finished product, the ingathering blessing, is a mix. It's a mix of inheritance, the gift of labor, and the individual investment. Now, it's similar, though a little bit flipped... Our inheritance from the Lord the Lord gives us the raw materials in fact in the New Testament he says not only will I provide you what you need I give you instructions in my word I give you the power of my spirit so that you can see but we are involved in developing our inheritance into the fullness of God's blessing his intention for our lives so the Lord's inheritance is a gift that comes with some expectations. Now, in the opening passage we read in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus asked the question of his disciples. He said, why do you have so little faith? Oftentimes we look at that passage and it's about possessions and money, but really it's about faith. Faith is fundamental to all kingdom success. Every bit. In a previous life, I taught high school math. And a lot of times in mathematics, you'll find these qualifications, these uh, rules for operating mathematical equations. If then, if then, if this happens or if this is true, then this should happen, then this is true. If then statements. It's what we find in godly interactions. We find these if-then interactions as the Lord deals with us and as we deal with him. Jacob, for instance, in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob has gone away. He's searching for a bride. In the middle of the night, he has a dream. And in verse 13, we pick up the story. He sees a stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And the Lord said to Jacob, I am the Lord. The God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They'll spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. That's God's divine promise. That's the in-gathering. That's what's coming in September and October of God's divine blessing. Now notice Jacob's response in verse 20. Jacob made this vow. If, everyone say if. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey and if he will provide me with food and clothing and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. If this is what God's going to do, then here is my response. So in response to God's promise, protection and provision, Jacob offers worship and gathering. He, he pledged to present to God a tenth of everything God gave him. And Jacob acknowledged. He was saying, the Lord is my provider. Now there's no Mosaic law. Moses wasn't even born yet. Jacob just returned to the Lord a tenth as a physical practice of his first fruits, and he did it by faith. None of the Lord's promise had ever arrived yet. Jacob just believed God would honor his word. Now, in the Old Testament, repeatedly, you can read through in your Bible reading. I hope it jumps out to you. God reminds his people to have faith in him. There's a lot of if-then statements. If-then. If you do the then goes back and forth in the New Testament the Apostles Jesus the same kind of stuffs going on if you do this then this will happen you and I i should say you and I I'm I'm presuming I know I need reminded of this as well why do I do what I do because there's faith in the lord that will protect and provide as promised i've i've come as i just said a few moments ago over my experience and my understanding i've come to recognize that the if then of christ's promises the if then of the lord's word Proves to be true time and time again. And if he said, this is what's coming ahead for you, then I will act now as he has instructed and guided and calls me to act. Because faith mixes with inheritance to produce divine blessing. As Americans, we believe it should be all blessings all the time. I just want all the good stuff. I want the job that gives me the most money, the most benefits, with a little bit of work. In fact, if I could get all the benefits and all the money without the work, yeah, set me up for that. I was born to be a trust fund baby. (laughs) But it works out differently, doesn't it? The reality is different. Our parents invest in us, see that we're taken care of to the best of their ability. We're in some good educational environments. We rub up with great people. We meet some good managers, some good bosses, some good employers, some people invest in us. But yet, the inheritance is ours to work with, isn't it? What are we going to do with what's been placed? Faith mixes with inheritance to produce divine blessing. So to live in faith... Requires this, practices, practices. More than words as faith reminders, the Lord established these three feasts every year. What are these three feasts all about? Well, the children of Israel just like to party, that's all. They like to get together and have a good time. They were reminders year after year after year after year. Remember who brought you out of Egypt. Remember who gave you this land. And remember that he will provide and take care of you again and again and again practices remind and strengthen faith practices reflect and reinforce our convictions I don't know about that preacher really do you brush your teeth every day if it's no please don't let us know do you brush your teeth every day You know what that's a practice that reinforces and reflects our value for oral hygiene a good night's sleep reflects our value for physical health every month when you pay the rent or pay the mortgage that that reinforces and reflects our value for housing we pay for our utilities that that reflects our value for heat and light and waters Pay our monthly credit card statements, that reflects our value for consumerism. Insurance premiums, that reflects our values for protecting our investments. You follow. These repeated things are not only reflecting our values, but they reinforce our values. Likewise, regular kingdom practices reflect and reinforce our convictions. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 14, a couple of verses there. Scripture records, you must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for His name to be honored, and eat it there in His presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Here's what's interesting to me. do this, Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God see to practice reinforces and reflects the value doing this will teach you to fear the Lord your God consistent systematically returning to the Lord our first and our best practically strengthens faith. every time we give back to the Lord from our social increase I get to be better with people and I use that talent to benefit the kingdom of God. That reflects my conviction. It strengthens my faith. Every time I return to the Lord, as my understanding, my mental capacities increase. Every time I return some of that talent under the kingdom of God, I am reflecting and reinforcing my conviction of God giving the increase. It declares our faith and that principle holds true of all the areas of increase in our lives and i i hope from this series we have recognized that that socially spiritually mentally and yes physically that when we return that first and best portion to the kingdom of god it reflects our convictions and reinforces our values today we're talking about physical things and practically talking about financial things. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 9 and 10. Perhaps a familiar passage. The Scripture says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What is that? That's an if-then statement. It's an if-then statement. Honor, esteem, admire, value, cherish, revere, worship, put on a pedestal. That's what honor means. Honor the Lord with your possessions. I confess I'm a little bit road weary today. This week I traveled. I was either in a plane or a car for about 24 hours this week quite a bit of traveling but I attended a seminar from some training and it's it was just a huge blessing to me while there I had a number of inspiring conversations and so I'm enjoying a meal with a respected minister a Bible professor and we're talking about ongoing growth in Christ And while doing so, this amazing man of God confessed something to me. He said, you know, right now, right now, in fact, for recent weeks, the Lord has really been dealing with me about honor. (laughs) Honor. Now, this is a man who's committed his entire adult life to serving others for the gospel a man who's entirely devoted to learning more about God. This man regularly consumes and processes and applies an amazing amount of kingdom material. He's a teacher of teachers. He's forgotten more than I've ever learned. And yet he says right now, God's talking to me about honor. Is my attitude honor God? Am I, am I honoring him appropriately in my attitude? What about my actions? Do I honor God consistently? Honor, honoring God. The wise King Solomon said to his son, honor the Lord with your possessions. I keep little spreadsheets on my iPad, in fact, of our household budget i watch out for the same for those that my wife and i are accountable for my sweet mom did the same thing for her parents a little spreadsheet is pretty cool you just plug in the numbers for income and expense and then it kicks out this pie graph a colored pie graph i'm a bit of a nerd i love this stuff okay i'm more than a bit of a nerd And that pie graph just shows you then the portions of everything and where it goes. And, you know, I look at those expenses and those portions on this spreadsheet, on this pie graph, and the percentage that goes to housing, and the percentage that goes to food, and the percentage that goes to entertainment and transportation. And how do those compare to the percentage returned to the kingdom of God? And I just, I look at that and I wonder, what's that saying about my God honoring? All godly disciplines, hear me today, all godly disciplines require faith, if then. And so does honoring God with our possessions. Do I trust the Lord as Lord of the harvest? Do I have faith to return to the kingdom in May? knowing he'll take care of me in September and October. Is my faith in the money in the bank, or is my faith in the Lord of the Harvests? That was the point of Jesus he was making in Matthew chapter 6. Where is your faith? Now, to me, faith in kingdom finance sounds like my Uncle Bob. I've quoted him many times. Who's your Uncle Bob? My Uncle Bob. My mom's brother. My Uncle Bob says, God can do more with 90% than I could ever do with 100. That is the if-then of the kingdom of God. First fruits depends on faith. So Jesus calls out this so-called, so little faith in Matthew. and Look at the prophet Malachi. He's, he's more direct. He's, he's pretty, mm, well, he's just very direct. Malachi 3. I don't want us to notice his directness. I want us to notice the promise. Children of Israel were not regarding God with their first fruits. They had forgotten to do so, and Malachi was giving them grief. Ever since the day of your ancestors, this is the word of the Lord through Malachi, you scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. What's he saying? Well, the if-thens, you've been ignoring them and wondering why you're not getting the thens. Now, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, the book of Malachi is interesting because there's a dialogue. The children of Israel are defensive. Five or six different times the Lord says, here's what's happening. And they say, what do you mean? And that's what happens here. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? They challenge the word of the Lord. Imagine. Verse 8, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due to me. And you're under a curse. Your whole nation's been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, there's the if then, says the Lord of heaven's army. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Look, look what the Lord says. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the lords of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed. Your land will be such a delight, says the lord of heaven's armies. Faith precedes divine blessing. They had the understanding of the first fruits feast. They knew exactly what the Lord was talking about. In May, you are not acknowledging that I gave you this land, that I am blessing your heart. In May, you're not paying attention. And so in September and October, you're not receiving the fullness of my blessing. They knew exactly what he's talking about. And the Lord said, look, try it again. The promise still works. The if-then statement is still valid. Try it out. See what happens. If you will trust me in May, I will bless you in September and October. Faith precedes divine blessing. It's an if then in the kingdom of God. I mentioned I was at a conference this week, and during a break time, the conference was held in a church, and I was in a church lobby. And in the church lobby, that congregation's only had three pastors in its long history. In addition to the current pastor, the previous pastor was a dear friend of mine. And then that pastor's father was the founding pastor. And so we're in the lobby, and I'm talking with a couple elder ministers. And in the conversation, one of them points to that picture, that portrait of the founding pastor and his wife. And he begins to tell a story about how that founding pastor blessed him. And he relates the story very candidly. He says, when I was young in ministry, he said, I was serving God young in ministry. Our kids were still little. He said, I was struggling to get by. Meager, meager paycheck. Income is slim. And so it's coming up on Christmas holiday, and he and his wife and kids, they lived pretty far away from their extended families. And they wanted to go visit them for Christmas. And there was no savings account. In order to go, they had to depend on that next check right before Christmas. And then they would go. And this elder, I'm so grateful for his candor. They got that meager paycheck. And they look at the check. And they realized this, if we return tithe and we go home for Christmas, there's not going to be enough money to buy gifts for the kids. Man, that's a tough one. Again, I appreciate his candor. Of course, he wanted his children to have Christmas gifts. His wife wanted his children to have Christmas gifts. But he also knows this principle of first fruits and he knows he should return tithe to the work of god so he has a conversation with his wife but he knows her feelings she says return tithe we'll trust god and see how it plays out let me say this there there needs to be spousal agreement in these things not all spouses are of the same faith and Not all believe in this practice. You don't just override and ignore your spouse. Still, he heard his wife's words and his choice was not immediate. So I'm going to sleep on it. So he sleeps on it. Next morning, he made up his mind and he says, you know what? I'm going to return tithe, this little bitty check. I'm going to return 10% and I'm going to trust God for the future. And so he returns his tithe in the church service. Before they head out of town, he stops by his mailbox one more time. And in the mailbox, there's a card. And the card is addressed from the founding pastor of the church I was in this week. He said, I got a card from that man. He said, Inside the card is a kind note and a check for $500. That was in the early 80s. That was a significant amount of money then. And here's what really blew me away. Now, some 40 years later, I walked away from that conversation and the gentleman come back to me and said, let me show you something. He's got his phone. And he pulls up on his phone. He's got a picture of the card. He's got a picture of the envelope. I said, you're kidding me. You still have that car. You still have that. You have the picture. He said, "I don't ever want to forget the Lord's faithfulness. I don't ever want to forget the Lord's faithfulness." You know, some people, maybe even some here today, or some watching online, some folks get a little tense and preachers start talking about money. You know, for me, sharing this biblical teaching is just like sharing a message on prayer or a message on Bible reading and Bible study or a message on heaven or on healing or being filled with the Holy Spirit. All of these things are divine promises of God's Word. If, then... And I share them all, praying that every listener will pursue the if-thens of God. I I surely couldn't say it more directly or eloquently as the word of the Lord through the prophet Malachi, try it, put me to the test. Some perhaps are suspicious of the Lord's financial plan because pastors, as presenters, benefit from that teaching. And that's correct. I do benefit. My income is derived from disciples who give. But scoffers might also note that this preacher also benefits when disciples practice other biblical principles as well. When you read and study the Word of God and you share those insights in faith group, I benefit from your study of God's Word. When you choose to pray for me and my family, I benefit from your discipleship in that area. In fact, just because I'm the pastor doesn't remove me from being a fellow member of the body of Christ, particularly in this body. And the body of Christ is meant to bless and benefit one another. So I value very much and appreciate your giving. I am personally blessed, but I'm blessed in many ways. And I'll throw this out for all those attending and those watching online who will attend. If you're ever concerned about the finances of this congregation, of course, you could talk to me. But if you feel like that's awkward, talk to one of our church board members. Don Jacobson's our church secretary. He makes sure that all of our records are kept and maintained. He's on the board. Mark McGarrity's our church treasurer. He handles and manages all the finances. I don't touch a dime. They receive and follow income and expense reports throughout the year. Noah Raniger, Evan Graniger, Drew Delapena, members of our board, intimately involved in understanding the income and expenses of this congregation. If you have a question, talk to them. They'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Now let's talk individually, and then we're going to pray and conclude. If you're here and you'd like to improve your faith in God's finance. You want to improve your faith in God's finance. You're watching online. I want to do better in this. I want to honor God better with my possessions. I offer a simple practice and a rule of thumb. 10-10-80. 10-10-80. 10% to God, 10% to savings, live on 80. 10 to God, 10 to savings, live on 80 well I'm not sure I can do that I can struggle well if you don't yet have faith for ten percent do you have faith for one percent or three or five or six start somewhere and intentionally work in that direction and see God said try me I'll prove it to you try faith in that simple fashion 10 10 80 for those who would like some more detail it's one thing to say it another thing to live it right it's one thing to get the check in the bank. It's another thing to start burning up the debit card. You know what I'm saying? If you'd like some help with that, we did a faith group sometime back on financial management. Dave Ramsey, this is one resource called the Total Money Makeover. I've got four copies of this book left over, and they're going to be out on the table in the back and as you leave. If you'd like a copy of that, pick it up. Take it with you read through it, study it, review it with your spouse, see how we can live and do and dwell and make a better investment with our financial associations. So those are available. And now we're going to pray. Jesus was talking one time to his disciples and he shared some stuff that was, well, it was challenging to them. And the Bible says they looked to Jesus and they said, Lord, increase our faith. Jesus is laying out this if-then stuff. And they're like, you know, it's May, God, and October is a long ways away. Increase our faith. And you know what? If if you've been and if I've been and as we've been provoked in any way, shape, or form about honoring God in our finance, I, I want us to conclude today, just everybody in the house, Lord, increase our faith. Jesus, we are so grateful that you are interested in every aspect of our lives. You're interested in our relationships. You're interested in our social growth, our mental growth, our intellectual growth, and our physical and financial growth. Lord, there are many times when I look into your word and I am open in my understanding and my reception of what you're challenging that I, Lord, I feel like those apostles. I feel like I need to say to you very clearly, Lord, increase my faith. I pray, God, that you would minister in that fashion in each and every one of us, encourage us, inspire us, direct us. Help us, Lord, to not only increase our faith, but to live by that, to take you up on your if-then and to recognize your promises are true time and time again. I know, Lord, that you will validate your word in every one of our lives, as we step out in faith, offering you first fruits in every, every dimension as we possibly can. We pray it in the name of Jesus, the name above every name. Can everybody say in Jesus' name? You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church in the Holy Ghost. you give me peace.